Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Welcome to Jake's Takes podcast. We are in a very odd time, and I'm sure you're feeling it just like just like I am. We are on a shutdown. Basically, our whole all of our lives have been halted. Certainly, in the world of golf, on the PGA Tour, the Champions Tour, the LPGA Tour, European Tour, I think every tour around the world right now is on a lockdown because of the spread of this COVID-19 virus, the coronavirus, and Pretty interesting how the Players' Championship this past week was underway. And they played the first round. Hideki Matsuyama shot 63. And they made the announcement they were going to play the next three rounds without spectators, which that's never happened. And our commissioner, Jay Monahan, who is providing incredible leadership, decided after the first round on Thursday to cancel the tournament. And I think that was a a wise decision. This coronavirus has spread quickly and has set upon us uh, just out of nowhere. Well, not out of nowhere. This coronavirus has set on us very quickly, and I think it's the right thing to do. I know it's frustrating for the players to be in a town and be prepared, start the tournament, and all of a sudden be told that it's canceled. That's happened in the past. I remember when we were playing one year at the AT&T. I think it might have been Oh gosh, was it 96 or something like that? Maybe, I can't remember. Where we were rained out and we had to come back in August of that year. And then there was another year at the Shell Houston Open where we had just torrential rains and they had to cancel the tournament. We did get together on a Sunday, on the on the championship Sunday and do a kind of a created a, a three-man scramble that the players stayed around and played in just for the good of the tournament for the fans that had paid tickets to come in. But it's a weird it's a weird time. We're home. Everything's been canceled through the Masters. The Masters hasn't been canceled. It's been postponed. And in the in the podcast today, I'm going to talk to Jeff Corbett, a senior vice president for my company, Peter Jacobson Sports. I have a small marketing company out in Portland. We do work all over the country, but Jeff's going to give us a little information about what it takes to set up a tournament and also the expense that goes into putting up all the infrastructure, how far out you've got to start and how much it costs uh, the tournaments when, if you do have to cancel, like we're seeing right now around the world of golf, the cancellation of the Players' Championship this week, but next week, Valspar, the following week, the World Golf Championship match play in Austin, Texas, and then the following week, the Valero Texas Open, which then takes us up to the Masters, which has been postponed, not, not canceled, the Masters also postponed the Augusta Women's Amateur and the Drive, Chip, and Putt, of which I was supposed to be doing the broadcast. And I hope postpone is reality and that they get to play the Masters, the Augusta Women's, and the Drive, Chip, and Putt at a later date. But all the tournaments canceled around the world, the European Tour, LPGA, the Corn Ferry Tour, it's it, it affects everybody. And that's the one thing. And least of all, it affects the players because the players are independent contractors. We fly around the country. We pick and choose which events we want to play in. But one of the things that people don't think about are the communities that support these tour events that we play in and the charities they support. So when you think about the players in Valspar, in any tournament, in any community that we are scheduled to play in year after year, 
You think about the fans. They won't be able to watch golf. You think about the sponsors that spend millions of dollars to raise awareness for their brand and get the word out. And also, they know the part they have in supporting the charities in those communities. The volunteers, the vendors, the vendors who start weeks in advance and putting up the sky suites and the bleachers, and then the teardown. Thinking about the tournaments that spent the money to do that. Valspar's ready to go. The match play down in Austin is ready to go. Same with Valero in San Antonio. They are ready to go, and now nothing is going to happen. So they've spent the money to put up the infrastructure, and now they're going to have to spend the money to take it down. So it's a terrible thing, and I, I feel awful for the communities in which we play. And I'm hoping that the PGA Tour family, not just the players and the organization, but we can do something to get together to help mitigate the the loss of expense and the loss of dollars coming into these communities. I don't know what we can do, but I'm sure Commissioner Monaghan and the staff down in Ponte Vedra Beach are putting their heads together trying to come up with the best solution possible. It's a jungle in here, and we all know it. The fans are fired up and making sure they show it. They're rattling loud, not your usual crowd. It's a jungle in You still there? I am. All right. Well, let's. We are recording now, so don't say anything you wouldn't want anybody to hear. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> well, let's talk about this unprecedented time we're in, where we have seen in the past, we've seen tour events canceled because of weather, most notably the AT&T, and uh, we had. Uh, we had another tournament down in Houston Open, Shell Houston Open. This is probably 20 years ago, but it's pretty unprecedented to see PGA Tour events canceled amidst this uh, COVID-19 virus being spread. Yeah, definitely, and I'm sure it's not an easy decision to make to uh, to decide to postpone or cancel an event. It's it's not an easy decision to make at all. You've been involved in building out PGA Tour events for so many years. What? I know it's probably impossible to detail exactly what goes on, but, but how, how soon does the build-out and, and what goes into a build-out, how soon does that start before the PGA Tour event is actually staged? Well, it depends on the size of the event, but I would say you're starting anywhere from three months out for maybe a major championship like a U.S. Open or a PGA Championship, and a regular tour event is starting at least maybe two months out, eight weeks out, so yeah, it's it's a long process to get ready for that one week when you have all the spectators and all the players out there on the golf course. The infrastructure that goes into it. Uh, talk to us about what what is all going up. You've got you've got bleachers which have to be constructed from scratch. You've got sky suites, and then you've got your food and beverage and and all the expense that goes into that. Yeah, I mean anything that really isn't growing, uh, you have to you have to build from scratch. Uh, everything from the the bleachers, all the portalettes for people to use, the land for parking. There's just there's a lot of infrastructure that goes into it, and almost everything has to be built. So it does take a long time to to set it up, to have it operate for just you know about a week, and then uh, and then it takes some time to tear it all down. So there's there's a lot of people that are working on a golf course in advance of a tournament and I'm sure for those tournaments that uh, are scheduled to go on you know over these next three weeks these initial ones that have been canceled they're well underway in their preparations and their building so that's I'm sure a, a headache to deal with. 
I was in Dallas last week for the AT&T Byron Nelson kickoff luncheon, speaking to the Salesmanship Club with my good friend D.A. Weibring, former tour player, and, and they are outside of that cancellation window right now. I think once the tour gets through the Masters, of which is postponed right now on the tour schedule, the next week is the RBC Heritage Classic, and then it follows down the line to, uh, until Byron Nelson. But I would imagine, Jeff, with your experience, the RBC Heritage Classic and, and all those tournaments following are, are probably ready to go all right now. Yeah, I would think that you're just trying to do the best you can with the information you have. I don't think you're you want to prepare as though it's going to happen and put in probably the, the other measures that you would have to have just to be extra careful because of the, the virus. But yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult position to be in. You're just trying to do the best you can with the information you have and you don't wanna you don't wanna get caught not being ready. What about the cost? Going up, if uh, it's hard to imagine the cost at a at a U.S. Open or a PGA Championship because those are majors. But let's just say a PGA Tour event like the AT&T Byron Nelson, what would be what would be the infrastructure costs or the operating costs of uh, of the Sky Suites of the infrastructure going in and then tearing it down? I would just think you know the the budget that you would have for a tournament like that is going to be somewhere to you know. Five to seven million dollars um, or more, just with the infrastructure you have to build that's not existing there at the golf course to to host all those people, the fans, uh, the sponsors, and the players. It's it's there's a lot that goes into it, and yeah, you're looking at millions and millions of dollars for every single one of those PGA Tour events. You and I've been working together at Peter Jacobson Sports now for what is it, Jeff? Is twenty years, twenty five years, or something? Yes. I yeah, that's some, scary. <laughs> that is scary to think. You, you're really getting old. Did you know that? I am. I yeah. am. Well, actually, uh, my wife has been telling me that on a daily basis. So, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks yeah. for reinforcing. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't aged at all, of course. Uh, but one of the things that people don't think about is the committees, like volunteers and the uniforms that have to be ordered and sized and distributed and and the transportation. We've been working with Lexus for, oh my gosh, 12 to 14, 15 years uh, with their USGA program. But we also handle Lexus automobiles for as the official car for a lot of PGA Tour events. Uh, explain about how what goes into getting the cars in and getting them prepped and then getting them out after the tournament's over. Well, the cars all come in straight from the port, so they're all brand new for almost every single one of these events. And then it's our job to get them ready for the players and officials to drive. So that's everything from taking out a bunch of loose items that can get lost during the tournament and, and storing those and numbering all the cars and tagging all the keys and making sure the cars are detailed and cleaned inside and out, making sure there are license plates so that they're they can be legally driven in the state where the tournament takes place. Then we hand them over to the tournament and make sure all the paperwork's in place and all the backup plans are in place in case anything you know goes wrong during the tournament. Then we have to collect all of the events uh, or all the vehicles afterwards, and that's a whole process and takes a couple of days to, to get them all back and, and re-prepped and ready to go for the dealers. And, and then it's the dealers coming and picking up the cars over the course of a week, and that can that can take some time. You know, trucks break down, and yeah, there's all kinds of different things that, that can go into place. But it takes so, about a month's worth of work to, to get those cars ready to the tournament and then back to the dealers afterwards. So, yeah, it's about a month's worth of work just on the cars. So speaking as a PGA Tour player who has benefited from getting a courtesy car and using it during the week and then turning it back in, I can't imagine if any tour player would, 
not return the car in the perfect shape that you prepared it for them, correct? Everything comes back clean as a whistle and there's no problem with, with the cars being turned in? Boy, I wish I could say that, but uh, you know, we, we see it. <laughs> I was being very it. facetious. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But uh, no, it, I mean, the players have a lot of things on their minds during the week. And um, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes they uh, they think those cars are, uh, you know, just kind of a, a point A to point B. And uh, and sometimes they kind of live out of them for the week. That's that's kind of the funny thing is to see how these players probably live during the middle of the week. Some of them need a lot of caffeine. Some of them drink a lot of water. And, and, uh, and some of them need a lot of candy bars. And they happen to leave their their garbage in the car and i'm and i i would be i i'm chastising some of the tour players because in talking to you after tournaments and knowing how not a lot but but a few cars come back and they actually do look like they've been lived in and a lot of the a lot of the times the players just treat treat a brand new vehicle like it is a uh, it's a junkyard and that's the one thing that drives me crazy being on both ends of it now i've always tried to return my rental car i don't care if i'm renting a car from uh, any of the national companies or or getting a free car to tournament i always try to return it as clean as possible now sometimes you might leave a coke bottle you might leave something in the car but after having traveled the tour with kids i always try to scour the car and if there's ever been anything spilled or or I I try not to I try not to leave a mess but unfortunately that's that's not always the case is it No it's definitely not and one of the things we kind of learned is you know obviously the cars that uh, some of the events that we do are are for uh, the champions tour and you can definitely tell that some of the players that are on that tour already you know they i think they appreciate the uh the vehicle and and it kind of the cars come back in better shape so yeah it's definitely a generational thing and i'm sure as the tours developed over the years the the players that have kind of come up where some of these luxuries weren't around um appreciate them a little bit more i can tell you jeff uh and i'm old enough to be your grandfather probably but i remember when i started the tour back in the late 70s uh early 80s there were no courtesy car vehicles and we used to have to pay for range balls on the range and pay for food in the clubhouse so yes i would i would definitely say the pga tour and the amenities and all of the niceties uh, have really come a long way uh, with us players on the tour. Uh, one other thing before we leave, the roping and staking on a golf course. Again, these are things that people don't think about when they when they pay the ticket and they go watch the tournament and they're standing outside the rope. Somebody had to take time to rope and stake that golf course. Somebody had to, when they go get a hot dog or a drink, that concession stand was built. That food was brought in, trucked in, and it's brought in every day. These are the things that we don't, as fans, we don't think much about. But roping and staking a golf course—that—that's a—that's also a time-consuming process. Oh, absolutely. You're, you know, first and foremost is is kind of a safety measure for both the players and for all the fans too, uh, to make sure you're you're not too close to play. That you're kind of thinking about how you're going to safely move people around a golf course, but also safely allowing the players to uh play golf and you know not not have fans in the way while they're trying to while they're trying to get through their round there's a lot of things that go into uh putting on a a golf tournament that are really really unique and and take a lot of time and a lot of money and uh, i'm sure that everybody that's been planning for their their tour events you know it's a challenging time right now well jeff thanks for joining us let's hope that this virus goes away as quickly as it has set upon us and that uh, we can get back to the business of playing golf and enjoying golf and watching golf uh, as soon as we possibly can so we can basically support the charities in the communities where we play 
throughout the world of golf. So uh, I know that you, you're willing, sure, I should say, you are anxious to get back at it once once this uh, cloud of uncertainty is lifted. Yeah, I think everybody's ready to uh, to see this pass, and it's just going to take some time, but uh, everybody put some work into uh, protecting each other, and we'll, we'll get through it. It'll be better on the other end. Pretty interesting. I was in Dallas last week on Wednesday night. I was I was invited to come in to speak to the AT&T Byron Nelson kickoff luncheon by the Salesmanship Club, the incredible community volunteer organization that runs the event. Quite honestly, they're, they are the envy of all these community service organizations around the country, what they've done in Dallas and how much money they've made and how successful they've been for years. But I was there staying with my good friend D.A. Wybring, who a former tour player, and we had decided to go to the Dallas Mavericks-Denver Nuggets game Wednesday night, and we picked up D.A.'s son, Matt, and also Mike O'Connell and Chris O'Connell, because, you know, Mike runs Peter Jacobson Sports for me, and Chris O'Connell is a highly successful teacher, one of the best teachers in the country, currently is working with Tony Romo the great CBS NFL analyst and also Matt Kuchar and has been basically took Matt Kuchar from the mini tours to one of the most consistent players in the game today. And Rick Carlisle is a good friend of mine. He's the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. So we had a chance to catch up with Rick before the game. And during the game, Wednesday night, that was when the NBA announced they were suspending the season. We were at the, I think it turned out to be the final game of the season for this year. The Mavs played great. Luka Doncic is an unbelievable player. And they they came from uh, a couple points behind in the fourth quarter to win that game. In fact, it was pretty interesting. I saw Tom Rinaldi with ESPN there. They were broadcasting the game. And Tom Rinaldi told me after the game that they had a camera on Dallas Maverick owner Mark Cuban when he received the email that the NBA was suspending the season, and I'm sure everybody saw it on ESPN Sports Center or somewhere. The shock in his face at that announcement, but it was uh, kind of surreal to be in Dallas at that game when the season was canceled, and everybody really didn't know what to do. And I think everybody's now gone home. I had to jump on a plane and fly back home here to to Naples, and of course. When I got on the plane, I made sure I took my my wipes and I wiped down everything on the seat, which is only the smart thing to do. And uh, I'm now home sequestered here with my wife, Jan, and we're just kind of staying in and doing nothing, watching Netflix and movies on TV. Also joining me on the podcast is D.A. Wybring to tell us a little bit about what it was like to be at the that Nugget Maverick game together and when we realized that this thing was becoming a huge thing as it continues to be it's a jungle in here and we all know it the fans are fired up making sure they show it they're rowdy and loud not your usual crowd it's a jungle in here and we 
You know, I've been a pretty good ball striker my whole career, and I think one of the strengths of my game has been my driving. I've been pretty good off the tee. I hit a lot of fairways. But I always know that my first drive of the day is going to be a good one in comfort, luxury, and in style because I'm going to and from the golf course in my Lexus GX460. I've been a brand ambassador of Lexus now for over 30 years, and in my opinion, it's the best vehicle on the road today. Now, I may have had a few body parts replaced over the years, but that's just in my 65-year-old body. My Lexus needs nothing but routine maintenance, and that's just the way I like it. call you and talk about how odd it was being in Dallas at the NBA game on Wednesday night when the NBA season was canceled. Um, we were we were enjoying a great game, well played game between the Mavericks and the Nuggets, and then we found out that it was the last game of the season. That that game is a shock to everyone. Yeah, it really was. It, it was. I mean, with with social media, all our phones were buzzing with different information and and when they stopped the game in Oklahoma City and it said the players were on the floor I mean we we were shocked by by that and then later we we found that that Rudy Gobert was diagnosed you know with the virus and and then, uh, then we realized what was happening but what about the players too we were watching we were watching all the news coming out of the players championship in Ponte Vedra and we knew that the tournament was going on and they did play the first round Thursday and they had a they had a leaderboard and and uh Hideki Matsuyama was leading and the next thing we know it's out it's over yeah it's, it was canceled that I, that's never happened before no it really has i mean th- this whole experience for us is is surreal i mean i mean even right now i mean there's there's nothing on TV. There's no sports. There's no entertainment. Uh, everybody is wondering what to do. And, you know, there are certain people saying, you know, live life normally. And other people saying, hunker down, don't, don't, uh, don't get out of the house. Uh, it's really, really a crazy time. Yeah, but the great news for all of us golfers is they're going to rerun Tin Cup probably over and over and over. <laughs> and we're going to make money from the residuals from I- those reruns. I mean, Peter, you're going to win over and over and over again. <laughs> That's good for my ego. I can win the Open. I can beat Costner and Don Jones and a couple of 12 handicappers over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it really is. It, I tell you, it, it's a good chance. That, as, as we speak, I'm helping my wife clean out the pantry. So I think it's, it's a good time to do things around the house that you really don't want to do. And so, uh, uh, yeah, it, it is uh, hopefully, hopefully that in the next couple of weeks, things will calm down. And maybe we can get back to normal. Uh, but I, I think we're doing what we what we should be doing. What about the Masters? It, it's postponed. It's not canceled. Right. As is the the Augusta Women's Amateur and the Drive Chip and Putt. I don't know if they're going to be able to find another week in the year. To be able to hold those tournaments, uh, I mean, canceling canceling is is so difficult. But postponing and trying to find a week that that, that could be hard to do. Yeah, it, it really could. I mean, I mean, I I think they may 
they may find a way to play the Masters, but I think other events are going to going to fall by by the wayside. Everything is going to jam together. Uh, you know, if we we can get this behind us uh, in in a month or six weeks or whatever, uh, it, it's really you know all the seasons of of all the sports are going to collide. They're going to they're going to have to condense. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to think. I, I think the Masters is the one thing that that would really attract, even if they played it in the fall. Um, it would really really attract a lot of attention. It has such great tradition. But, uh, you know, it's really a shame on the collegiate sports and maybe even the high school sports, they've already canceled the, the spring seasons. You know, I, I thought maybe that was a little bit too too quick. I mean, if things got better, maybe maybe they, they could play in May or or even in June. But but to cancel them now in the middle of March was 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 pretty severe. And on a bigger scale, a worldwide scale, think about the Olympics in right. Japan coming up. Now, when you look at golf, you've got you've got the Masters obviously in April, the PGA in May, the U.S. Open in June, and the Open Championship in July, and I'm only praying, hoping and praying that this thing goes away quickly to where we can get back to our regular scheduled programs. When I say that, I mean back to our life right. and, and, our, and our, uh, all of our businesses as, as quickly as we possibly can. Right. Well, and, and in, in May, for example, with the PGA last year, the PGA Championship moving up into May and scheduled for this May, and it's scheduled in San Francisco. And uh, as we know, the the, uh, the West Coast was was hit pretty bad t- towards the north uh, side of the side of the country there uh, of of the West Coast. And I heard they were looking at trying to play at, at uh, Ponte Vedra. So I, I don't know what's going on. I, I think that one might might be in jeopardy um, because they've already canceled four, actually five tournaments into the middle of April. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm praying for for a good solution here. You and I are in Dallas for the game, but also more specifically for the salesmanship club, the AT and T Byron Nelson kickoff luncheon. And there was it was pretty interesting. There was no media that was canceled. We had we had a couple of media tours in the morning that was canceled, and we ended up at the luncheon. And our goal was basically to bring some fun and some joy amidst this cloud of uncertainty. But you've been involved with the Byron Nelson ever since you became close friends with Mr. Nelson, and you've been a huge part of that event because you live in Dallas and you're a part of that community. It's it's scary to think that there might not be. I know we're a ways away from it, but it, it's, it's just hard to think about not having the Byron Nelson Classic. Well, it really is. You know, and, and uh, Peter, you were coming in as the featured speaker, and I was invited to uh, to introduce you, and and uh, we are we are talking to them about some other things down, down the road. But this group is is such a can do organization. Uh, they are really the the lifeblood of the economy in in Dallas. Uh, they have they have been the model for the PGA Tour. Dean Beeman, our previous uh, commissioner. You know, was quoted at, at, at the salesmanship club because they're they're very faceless during the event. Red pants, white shirt, red cap. You don't realize that the guy you know driving you to the range is the CEO or CFO of a major major company in Dallas Fort Worth. But they they do it uh, as a group to support uh, their school and troubled kids, and they've done it for a long time. And I was proud to start working with them after I moved here when I heard the. 
about the great organization. I wrote them a letter and introduced myself and, and have been connected a little bit with them ever since. And they, they were they were down. You could tell. We, we, we sat in the, uh, the, their board meeting for a few minutes, and they actually asked us a few opinions. And, and then we went into the luncheon, and, and uh, we, we, we tried to address it briefly but then move on and have some fun. And uh, I've heard uh, amazing feedback since that day uh, of the job that you did. And, of course, you, you're pretty good at getting people laughing. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but, I mean, you and I have... Have uh, have worked together in that mode. It, it felt like the old days, uh, kind of kind of kind of back and forth. And, and I think it did did pick them up. And uh, they they have some major decisions because they're putting up a lot of infrastructure at, at Trinity Forest where, where they're playing the tournament. It's a it's a links type golf course, as you know, and they and they really need to have some coverage out there to get people out of the sun. And if they're not going to play the tournament as maybe projected, they don't want to put all that stuff up and, and spend that money. So they, they really have have some some tough decisions right now. And even if they do play, would they not have a gallery? So so I, I think the PGA Tour is probably going to have to come out with some, you know, in the next couple of weeks to see how things go to maybe help tournaments like like them out to maybe save some money. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson. These have been my takes. What are yours?